Hello and welcome to Blast Beats and Bicycles, the lockdown editions. I've got a great show here tonight. I'm very excited to have on the virtual studio microphone with me, Bill Lindsay from Impaler. Bill, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm really excited to talk about uh, your upcoming record, The Great Hereafter, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to get excited to hear a couple of the tunes off of that that record. But, you know, you guys have been around for 40 years. This is probably, I think, in your neighborhood of 12th or 14th studio record. Is that right? Is that about right? I, I believe it's the 13th uh, release. And so what uh, what's motivated you to keep the band going for so many years? Well, just the love of, of what we do, you know, just that passion for what we do we we have a lot of fun together and i think that comes across in the music that um you know that you'll hear tonight and just just kind of always been our battle cry is to entertain people and 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 make them feel good and have fun and uh that that's a big uh motivation for all of us in the band is uh we continue to love what we do and we continue to have fun and we try and spread that to uh the people that listen to the noise that we make, you know. <laughs> as you uh, as you think back on the 38 years of your career, what are what are some of the biggest changes you've seen in the in the music business? Just the whole uh, advent of the uh, computer age. You know, when we started, there was no internet to speak of, and everything was very grassroots and very uh, by the U.S. mail. And, and by uh, uh, Xerox machines and by cassette players. And uh, that's kind of how the whole Metal Underground, you know, rolled back in the in the early 80s. And uh, so I, I would say that's probably the biggest change. And besides, you know, things like Pro Tools, uh, when we recorded our first albums there on analog tape, you know, so uh, that that's a big difference too. You, you certainly had to put a lot more sweat equity into things then uh, to make it make make things come together, both from the musical side as well as from the the fan side and the audience side, right? Yeah, more footwork. I mean, it all comes down to playing a live show. I mean, obviously, in these COVID times, has changed, but that's something that never changes from the beginning of of music. You know, you have performers, then you have an audience, and that's how you connect. Uh, you know, in that venue, in that arena of uh, of playing live, and uh, sure. nothing beats that. That never changes. You've had a number of lineup changes over over the years in the band. What uh, what's been some of the keys to keeping that chemistry together as a as a group with with people coming in and out occasionally? I think it's just you know we're kind of all on the same page. We all have a a, a common ground that we can all uh, create in. And, and I think that's a big thing. That's a big plus, and that's a big part of being an impaler is to have that common ground. And um, a, a lot of the people that have been in the band have come back in the band, you know. So uh, although it seems like we have changes, they're all people that have been in an impaler at one time or another, or at least the majority of them have been. Both Aaron Ryan, our drummer right now, and Bradley J, they've both been members of Impaler uh, in the past and, and have come back. Court's been gone and has come back. So it's a cast of characters. We've got a deep bench, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and and you can come home again, right? Yeah, for the most part, it's always been very good, you know, uh, friendships first. And 
good rapport and when people move on or it doesn't work out generally you know in most cases it's always a, a thing where the door stays open uh for you know future possibilities mike torak came back to the band for a time one of the original founding members i think first and foremost it's the friendship and the bond that we have that way that that's the most important along with the music that we make you know how uh, how would you say that that your music has evolved over the years i don't know that it's evolved a lot it's always uh just kind of a primal thing you know that uh comes out of us when we make it i i, I don't i i guess that it would be for other people to say because i'm so close to it but you know just as you go along and you get more experience writing and and putting songs together uh you know arranging them um you get better at things like that so i guess we probably improved as we've gone along at, at, at the craft of writing that's sort of culminating now in in the new record the great hereafter which is coming out on krampus knocked and december 5th tell us a little bit about uh what you've got in store for us on that new record i guess as the years have gone by we've become kind of a holiday band you know halloween and christmas with the, the krampus tie-ins and I don't know what's coming next Valentine's Day massacres but yeah so it's uh a full length in the sense that we went you know we were writing over the covid summer as as some people would call it uh and that was our plan was we're going to write we're going to just we're not going to go to practice and we're not going to just work on you know songs from our live set because we can't play live so let's write new music and so we wrote a bunch of new music and it's an album in the sense of a 70s album where it's there's eight songs like Masters of Reality has eight songs Toysmatic has nine you know we weren't so concerned about uh, a quantity of songs but we wanted to write quality and uh, so the, it, it's the first full length that we put out in a long time and that's uh, a lot of new songs uh, that for people to enjoy hopefully well, if they're uh, anything like the the songs that I've been had a chance to listen to, I think people are really going to dig the whole the whole record. Did it feel different? You know, you mentioned that it's been a little while since you've done a full length, and you've done a few EPs and a couple of live records since your last studio record. Um, but did it feel different to be back in the studio thinking about that as a, a full length LP? I don't think we really put a lot of thinking into it. <laughs> I don't think we put a lot. Of <laughs> But uh, I think, uh, you know, we just we just write. You know, when our creative juices are flowing, we write and it comes forth and just it kind of just creates itself. And, and that's what it was, you know. The only stipulation that we had was that we start writing it in early June and we're done by mid-September so we can start recording, you know, because we didn't know how long the – no one knew how long the COVID thing was going to be going on and continues to go on. So we set a time frame to write write the new material and have it ready to go, and um, that was the real only thing that was really kind of different was uh, just to to put a time limit on how long we were gonna mm-hmm. work on these songs before we went in the studio. But it was good. it worked out great, and we have a great working relationship with Will. Uh, at 1459 Studios, and he just, you know, he's just so easy to work with. It just, everything just flowed really well, and it was a lot of that's, fun. That's great. Was your was your writing process 
different than in the past because of COVID? I mean, did you, were you able to get together and be in a room uh, and work songs out together? Yeah, we did. We, we got together, we wore masks and stayed spread out. Um, no, I think the only things that, and it's not really that different because Court's always been kind of consistent in sending me uh, riff ideas he has uh, uh, through emails so I can check them out. And he did that. Uh, Brad and Andy, they brought their stuff down to the studio and presented it to everybody in the studio setting. So, I mean, that's, that's just kind of how we have always created. You know, nothing really changed too much. So it sounds like it's a pretty or, it sounds like a pretty organic process. You know, somebody bringing in a riff and everybody adding to it. Is that is that am I understanding you the right way? Well, sometimes that sometimes that's the case, or sometimes we help. Everybody kind of puts their head together, and a a, a person might have several parts, and we kind of arrange them and figure out how we want to put it together and how it best suits the song. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes people come with fully worked out songs. Um, from beginning to end, you know, and um, and then I write the lyrics, you know, I take the melody from uh, what the music is, and and uh, then I go with that and write the lyrics, and mm-hmm. that's just kind of, I guess that that's our formula and how we work. You were uh, you were one of the first bands to record uh, an album at the new fourteen fifty nine studios, I think. How how was it? What did you think of the new space? Oh, I loved it. I didn't realize we were one of the first to... Will's always busy. I mean, it seemed like he had a couple other projects going at the same time, so... uh, But that's cool. Yeah, it was great. It's a beautiful place. Will is kind of... um, He does a lot for the metal community, you know, and he's got this beautiful place for people to to rehearse now, a safe, Mm -hmm. really clean, nice practice space with a recording studio in there. I mean... um, you know, in a lot of ways, Will does things like uh, that Earl Root used to do for the community. I see a lot of Earl and Will in the things that he does for uh, his fellow musicians and the and the metal scene. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think he really needs to be commended for that. And he's a great guy. He's just so easy to work with. Yeah, I've had the chance to chat with him on the show a few times, and uh, and it's always been a lot of fun to to hear him talk about what he is passionate about and the things he's been doing for the community. And you're right, he does have uh, a, a very special place in uh, in the local metal scene. There's no doubt about that. Did uh, did you have to take any special precautions around COVID when you were recording? Oh well, we wore masks when we were in um, in the engineering room. We were really conscious about wearing our masks in there. Of course, you can't wear your masks when you're singing. You have right. to take them off when you're in there. But we kept uh, the mask wearing to a maximum while we were there. So that was different. Mm-hmm. I, I have this vision of a per, the perfect merch idea for Impaler. I think a, a, an Impaler face mask would be outstanding. <laughs> well, there actually was one created from a, a company over in Greece, but uh, uh, we didn't come to terms on on, uh, on pricing and stuff. And uh, I wasn't fully sure that they would be fully, uh, you know, I don't want to sell something like that that wouldn't be 100% safe for someone to wear. We kind of let that opportunity slide by, but I, I'm open to it. I thought it was a great idea, and kudos to him for thinking of it. 
he came to that to me with that back in like May, April or May, because mm-hmm. of course they had been hit harder with it than we had at that point. Yeah. So, but yeah. Well, I'm sure I'm not the only one who would wear one. <laughs> yeah, my mom probably would. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, let's give people a taste of the new the new record. Um, the title track seems like a great a great place to kick people off with the with the record. Can you talk a little bit about the song The Great Hereafter? Yeah, Andy brought that music down to us. And the minute he played the chorus for us first, and uh, the minute we heard that chorus, we thought it was really cool, and I it just I, I had ideas about it right away. And, and then uh, that was one of those songs where we kind of pieced it together. Uh, he had different parts, and we uh, all put our heads together and, and arranged it. And uh, I think it, it's a really, really strong track. It's it's great. The title just is so multi-purpose. So, and uh, when you see the cover, you'll see how how that all comes into play. Let's drop the needle on the record, so to speak. This is the Great Hereafter by Impaler.
That was the great, great Hereafter by Impaler off of their upcoming record of the same name. And Bill, one of the fun things about that song to me is how you really mix the tempo. You know, you've got some really fast sections and then some really slow, almost doomy type feel to them. You mentioned Sabbath earlier. Was that an, an inspiration for that song? Well, Black Sabbath's always an inspiration. Uh, you know, <laughs> every day I wake up, Black Sabbath is an inspiration. So uh, I can I, I can see that coming through. I thought that too when we first were writing it. I, um, you know, and it's we have so many songs that are are fast, you know, straightforward mm-hmm. and fast, and um, so it's nice to have different songs like that on albums that have different color and and tones to them. Um, you know, like a song like Undead Things or. Uh, Island of the Damned or something, you know, just uh, it it makes for a nice mix when you're listening to an album. And one of the things, too, that's kind of a signature of of your music that is very prominent in that song is sort of the gang chanting, gang singing in the choruses. And I've always sort of wondered what that's like to be in the studio when you're you're laying that stuff all down. Are you all just crowded around a microphone and screaming? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, it's fun. I always look forward to that, and we have a lot of fun with it. And um, we're not only doing background vocals, but we're making spooky noises and, you know, pretty much all the sound effects uh, that you hear on there are, are things that we created in the studio there, and, uh, other than, like, the nuclear explosion that's at the end of Thermonuclear Man. I think we made, a, we recorded all the sound effects that, are, that you hear in there, and some of them are subtle. Some of them are up front, and it's really fun. Yeah, we have a good time doing that. It's, it's got to be make for a, a great experience as you're recording. You know, generally to know that you want to play around with things like that while you're there. Yeah, it's one of the times too when you know a majority of us can be together. Everybody's kind of doing their parts on their own, but then when you're doing the backing vocals, you're together, and and there's that camaraderie and that the fun and the hijinks, you know. You, uh, you, you brought in some, some great musicians to work with you on this record, a uh, number of people prominent in the community. Talk a little bit about some of those people that you brought in. On the first track, there's two guest musicians or guest stars. It would be Court's daughter, Tara, provided um, the female ghost voice for us in the studio, and that was fun. She was there for gang vocals day two, and it was fun. And then John Eller provided the piano music that's in the intro, which is called uh, There Be Ghosts Here. And uh, he did a really great job. I've known John since we were like 18 years old, so we go way back. And he's one of my very favorite musicians in Minnesota. I've been a big fan of of his work since he was in Paradox back in the early 80s. Yeah, I was um, curious to know, you know if, you, if you ever had a chance to play with Paradox. Did you did you guys ever play on the same bill as Paradox? No, we never did. We never did. I wish we would have, but uh, they. Uh, I, I went to see them. The big four for me back in those days, well, Kane, which I was, uh, I got to see them. They played at our high school one time, and then I saw them warm up uh, Kansas at the state fair. And they were a really inspirational band because they were from Minnesota and they put out two albums. And that was really inspiring to me. And they were hard rock. And then um, Air Force, Paradox, and Obsession were the bands that I liked to go see the most. 
But out of all of them, Paradox is the one that I would go to see the most. I would say out of all those bands that I loved from that era, Paradox was just really cool. Because, I mean, they did stuff like uh, they do Deep Purple and uh, mm-hmm. The Faces and uh, Motown. And then they do Iron Maiden and UFO. And they did it all with this great consistency to the their delivery. And it, it was just great. And their original songs are just great. I have their album on uh, vinyl, and I have the CD uh, repress of it, too. So uh, real life, you know, it still stands up today. I still throw it on, and I love to listen to it. Um, And then he went on, and, you know, he worked at um, Flipside Records, and I would go down and see him and Dave uh, at the shop and and talk, and he had uh, Johnny Eller and the DTs, and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, he's like one of the, musical directors for the um, Bowie tribute that they do um, Rock for Pussy at First Avenue every mm-hmm. year except for this year, you know, obviously. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's he's a very creative and, and great musician and we both love um, old horror movies and uh, we really connect with that too. Uh, you know, we text back and forth and send mm-hmm. things back and forth about uh, old horror movies he just did a beautiful job, you know. I, I just said, make something spooky, like like you'd hear in the haunted mansion, or mm-hmm. and he just he came up with that. And I told him, I said, Walt Disney would be proud. That's amazing. So it was perfect. And then we added the ghostly voices to it, and some some wind and thunder, and uh, there you have it. It's, it's a great intro. Yeah. When I when I first. Uh put that song on and I and I started to hear the piano melody I thought wait a minute did I put play the wrong song <laughs> because it was so it was such a surprise to start an impaler record and and as I listened to it and the spookier sound started coming in I thought oh man this is just perfect it's a great way to start the record did you give him any other direction other than be spooky no, nope. That's all I told him. Wow. You know, I, yeah. I, I think I sent him a picture of a haunted house, and I said, "Sound like this. Make it sound like this." You know, <laughs> and he came back with that, and he he just did a great job. That's fantastic. How uh, how how challenging is it to to do something like that and and make sure that not only do you get something creative and fun from your, your guest artist, but to make sure that it has that connection to your sound. Well, I knew I could trust John because like I said, we have this love for old horror movies and stuff and, and mm-hmm. just the quality of, of a musician that he is. I just mm-hmm. didn't have any doubts about it that he wouldn't knock it out of the park. You know, yeah. um, there were a lot of people. I, when I was, I shower in the morning. I think about all these things, and there were like lots of people I would have liked to invite to come on and play on the record, but just time didn't allow. And with the COVID thing and everything, it, mm-hmm. it just added a extra complication. But we got Will throws a guitar lead in there in uh, Sonic Freak Show. He does a little burst in there, and uh, he did a great job too. And he just had a, you know, he knows us. He's worked with us. He's seen us mm-hmm. a million times. And he just had a complete feel for what the song was and, and, and what he wanted to add was perfect. 
that that song really has kind of an 80s feel to me. I'm I'm curious to to know a little bit about it because I want to play it for some people. So talk, take us through it. Well, Sonic Freak Show, that was the title of uh, a demo tape that we released back uh, before Undead Things came out. Uh, mm-hmm. We did like a, a five-song demo tape that we give away to people at the shows. It was a new Impaler lineup at that time. So we had Nikki on guitar, Eric on bass, and Ron on drums, and we were um, coming back as Impaler. And uh, so we wanted to have music to give to new new music to give to people mm-hmm. when they came to the shows. And so it was titled Sonic Freak Show. And Brad said, you know, I've always loved that title. He goes, you should write a song called that. And so I did. And uh, he had the music for that. And it just came together. Uh, it, it, it's really I'm serious. It's like the songs write themselves. They just come together um, pretty effort, effortlessly. And, and that was another one like that. Um, when you say it's 80s sounding, that's cool. Uh, we're all children of the 70s, you know, and so were the bands mm-hmm. that came up in the 80s. So right. uh, I think we're just definitely pulling from a lot of the 70s bands mm-hmm. and, um, that, that, that are inspiring to us when we wrote that song. To me, it sounds, it has little patches of stuff like Montrose and Stars and, and stuff like mm-hmm. that with a little run in the in the riff you know everybody says uh it's a catchy song and i think andy said it's his favorite song and he said that his son wanted to learn how to play it on guitar because he's teaching him guitar and he wanted to learn that specific uh song and chorus so yeah that's great i think it's going to be really fun to play it live yeah that'll be that'll be a really good one well let's uh let's give people a taste of it this is sonic freak show by impaler
Bill, uh, Sonic Freak Show, the name of that, that record, or that song, is, uh, is a great way to describe your live shows. Um, and I know you're a huge fan of Alice Cooper and Kiss, and I'm curious to know, when you were thinking about starting Impaler, what was that aha moment that said, you know, that's the kind of show that I want to put on? Oh, I think I had that in my mind before Impaler was formed. I was in a band called Fear No Evil, and we were theatric. Even when we were in our high school bands, Blind Luck, and I was in a band called Megaton in Texas for a little while, we always tried to put forth some kind of a, a presentation and show, and all that stems back to my love you know, for Alice Cooper and Kiss, plasmatics, being into comic books and colorful things like wrestling. All of it came together in, in what the Impaler live show would be like. Do you remember uh, some of the elements that you put into some of those early shows and some of the things that you orchestrated more carefully than others? Oh, well, you know, we were experimenting as we were going along, you know, so uh, just like making prefab cages for me to break out of that would fall apart. And, uh, you know, just the early severed heads that we had were just like simple Halloween masks on a wig head and, uh, um, we used to kill a, a dummy at first, and then it, it evolved into a, a real person that we would disavow <laughs> at the at the end of the show. But it, at the first shows, we had uh, like a stuffed uh, effigy that we would, you know, throw around and and pull the guts mm-hmm. out of it. But that got kind of messy. It's it, it's cleaner and easier to pull them out of an actual human. <laughs> yeah, they clean up better than. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, they, well, we, like like maggots would start crawling inside the thing, you know. Oh no! Yeah, oh. that, yeah, that so can't make for a good uh, a good van ride when you're when you're driving to the next gig with the kind of stinky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we had homemade glass pots, you know. And and as we went along, I mean, we had like tin cans at first, you know, that we'd have. Um, flashes come out you know and wow. just, as we went along you know we just got better and better at those things you know making circuit boxes and so people figure out you know professional ways to do things as we went along and i think that you know uh, we just gotten better at knowing how to create things and make things and 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 because we're very diy you know every pretty much everything we make ourselves or, or we have talented friends help us so that's a lot of fun too. Actually, is is creating and making things for for the stage show. It's uh, you know it seems like you're you almost have as much fun getting ready for the show as as actually doing the show. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's no fun to carry all the stuff around. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, once it's all that once it's all set up and in place, it's totally worth it. But yeah. I would say we go a little bit of extra mile just um, to bring those things along and and take the care to set them up, you know, and make it be as professional as we can, you know. Uh, we definitely have extra baggage as opposed to other bands we play with, you know. They just roll in with their amps, and then they got, here comes a tailor, you know, when we come through with a bucket of skulls or something, you know. It's like we're stacking up all these props, and we don't even have our amps in yet. The payoff for the audience is, is huge. I, I can't think of an Impaler show ever 
that I left without a smile on my face. So it's uh, it's a testament to the hard work that you put into it, no doubt. Well, thanks. Then that's mission accomplished. Yeah, <laughs> it's totally worth it. You know, just I wouldn't do it any other way. Those theatrics are often in service of you know sort of the storytelling that you do in your in your lyrics. You you probably have more mini novels in in your lyrics than than any other metal band that I can think of, except maybe Iron Maiden. Goblin Queen, um, you know, is a great example, and of course your your Christmas songs. Um, and I'm curious to know, in particular, the Christmas songs, where you come up with the inspiration for those stories. Just mostly from real life or history, you know. I love history, and I love you know sci-fi and fantasy. Uh, my brain's just constantly working like that. And I and you're right, that's perceptive of you because I do tend to write my lyrics in more of a storytelling fashion, you know, as opposed to stream of consciousness or something like that to tell a specific story. But like uh, you asked about the Christmas stuff, like like Christmas Massacre was from an old newspaper article that I had come across, and I just thought that was (laughs) some crazy shit, you know. So I said, well, I got to write about that. And and then learning about, you know, the tradition of, of Krampus, and uh, mm-hmm. all of the uh, celebrations and things that they have uh, over in Austria, you know, Germany and places uh, was really inspiring. Just he seems he's just like the perfect heavy metal Christmas icon, you know. He's like this hairy, devilish-looking <laughs> brute, you know, that punishes yeah. bad kids, and it's just like <laughs> wow. I mean, he's custom made for for. A heavy metal Christmas, so that's why we that's right. we used to do a thing called Frostfest. But as I learned more and more about Krampus, it evolved into the Merry Krampus show. We did Frostfest for several years just to have kind of a a local metal fest, you know, in the dead of winter, you know, when people are mm-hmm. kind of sick of of being, being cooped, cooped up, up in the house. <laughs> mm-hmm. So and then it um it, it just kind of evolved into Merry Krampus, and we. It, have that as our December celebration for the holidays. And uh, and Krampus is back on the on the new record. The Krampus has oh, returned. Yeah. Is it's one of the highlights of the record for me. It's it's really a fun, a very different from the original uh, Krampus song that you had uh, last time around. And and I'm curious to know what what made you decide that you wanted to kind of do a sequel of of that song. Well, I think just. Um, like we were talking about my mind works in a cinematic way when I write lyrics and stuff and just Krampus is just such a big part of our, of our celebration every year. And it just seemed uh, like a sequel was in order, you know, and I just had mm-hmm. more ideas for, for more Krampus. So he's coming back just like Michael Myers, you know? <laughs> well, you know, the, the original Krampus song was uh, was kind of an origin story for, for you, and, and I'm curious to know uh, what what people will hear he's up to in the in the new song. Oh, just kind of the same, doing the same stuff, you know, beating bad kids. And I think it's a heavier <laughs> song, and I think maybe it might be this, uh, a case where the sequel eclipses the original in, in a way because... Uh, it, it, I think it, it's more of a sinister uh, kind of edge to this one. The other one was more anthematic, you know, kind of like living after midnight or you got another thing coming mm-hmm. or something. 
And yeah. this one has just more of a wicked edge to it. I think it captures the spirit of Krampus a little bit more in a scarier way. Well, that seems like a good way to tee up the, the song. Let's, uh, let's take a listen to Krampus Has Returned by Impaler. Krampus has returned by Impaler. We are on the phone with Bill Lindsay, uh, one of the founders of Impaler. And Bill, that record, uh, The Great Hereafter, is coming out, uh, as we mentioned earlier, on December 5th, which is Krampusnacht. And mm -hmm. um, typically, as you said earlier, that you've had a live uh, Mary Krampus show about this time of year. Um, are you thinking of doing anything special to celebrate the launch of the record this year? Well, no, we can't really, you know, we can't really do it the way we want to. Um, sure. I think releasing the album on Krampusnacht was our way of, of 
trying to uh, uh, make up for not having the show this year, you know, so we thought we'll release the album on the date and, you know, call that 2020, you know. We're also still, you know, every year we do a Merry Krampus card, too, that we send out to people in the industry and, and close friends and stuff. So that, of course, will be in the works, too, as, along with the, the new album. So, uh, you know, we're going to celebrate it the best we can in, in COVID-19 conditions. <laughs> how, uh, how have you been keeping in touch with your fans while, uh, while this whole lockdown thing has been going on? Mostly just, you know, talking to people on Facebook is, mm-hmm. is uh, probably the biggest way. Some people email me, you know, and I uh, text others. So I just kind of the same, just not being able to see their faces, you know. I miss seeing people face to face. The last mm-hmm. show that we got to do, you and your wife were at, was at yep. uh, the Minnesota History Center. And uh, that was a lot of fun, even though it was uh, a different kind of a show for us, being that it was unplugged. But, I mean, it was literally three days later after we did that show that everything was shut down, That you know, just in the following days of that final show. But And it's been that long since I've seen some some of those people's faces, you know, so uh, I'm really missing that. And so uh, we should tell people where to stay in touch with you. What, what, uh, what's the address on Facebook that we can uh, send, to pe- send people to? You know, if I was more professional, I'd know it by heart. But if you <laughs> go to Facebook, uh, you know, you can look up Bill Lindsay or you, you can look up Impaler and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and befriend us on there. Um, and uh, any emails... Uh, we had impalershockrock at email.com, not Gmail, but email. Mm-hmm. People can write to us there. People can order things. Um, you know, we do most things. It's getting so expensive to mail things overseas and outside of the mm-hmm. U.S. right now that I can't, uh, I can't in, in good uh, conscience charge people what it costs to mail them those things. So we're just keeping it to the U.S. right now. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, people will be able to access PayPal and buy the new album if they like, and they can connect mm-hmm. with us on Facebook for that. We'll be posting, uh, an announcement on Facebook pretty soon about people being able to order it via mail. And then, uh, we'll have it out at the, um, at the local stores too, you know, uh, Cheapo and, and everywhere else that, that carries our stuff. MVD handles our, uh, uploading, you know, our music on those platforms like uh, iTunes and Spotify and stuff like that. So uh, that'll be taken care of too. Uh, But that'll be later, probably after the new year before that appears on those, uh, on those places. So December 5th for physical media and uh, after the first of the year for digital media, it sounds like. Yeah. You are correct, sir. <laughs> well, Bill, it's been really fun uh, catching up and getting a chance to hear some of the new music. I'm really excited about the new record, and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat today. Well, it's always great to talk to you, and thanks for all your support. And uh, I'm glad that you enjoy the great hereafter, and I'm excited for everybody else to hear it. So uh, 
it should be a pretty pretty fun Krampus night this year. <laughs> Indeed, Merry Merry Krampus. Merry Krampus to you and everyone out there in Radio Land.